0: Good morning, everybody. Hey, um, I just want to start off. You know, last week we uh, we talked about what it looked like and what it took to have an encounter with Jesus. Right? We first looked at the story of the of the Jewish official Jairus, who had his daughter, whose daughter was um, sick and dying at home. Met Jesus on the side of the lake and said, "You have to come. You have to come. My daughter's about to die." You know what I'm saying? And then on his way, he had like I mean, he had enough faith. He had enough faith to say, if I could just get to Jesus, I know that if he gets in the room with my daughter because something happens when Jesus enters the room and encounters his, encounters his people, like something forever is changed. But on his way, I'm sure he kind of felt a little, a little let down because Jesus got a little distracted by a woman with, a, with, with an issue of blood, right? This same woman who said, if I could just encounter Jesus, like if I could just, like she had enough faith that if I, if I just touched the hymn, of his garment, if I just touch his prayer shawl that hangs below below his gown, like if I could just touch that, I know I will be healed because something happens when you encounter Jesus. Right? But we ended last week with the first part of chapter six where Jesus went to his hometown of Nazareth. And because they thought they knew who he was, you with me? Remember they said, Oh, isn't this Mary's son? Isn't this Joseph the Carpenter's son? We know who he is. He ain't nothing. Because they lacked faith in who he was, they were not able to encounter Jesus. We can't let what we think we know about Jesus hinder us from experiencing him in a new way. You with me? I think many times we make the mistake of saying, like, we put God in a box, put Jesus in a box, which is, I mean, there's some crazy things out there. I'm saying we ain't going to get, like, we ain't going to go crazy. You know what I'm saying? Like, within, like... There's some crazy beliefs out there that I'm like, yeah, that's a little too far. You know what I'm saying? But maybe some of us, we need to take Jesus out of the box that we put him in and encounter, encounter him in a fresh way. I want you guys to know that every morning when I pray, I pray that you sitting here today will encounter Jesus in a fresh way because here's the deal, because many of us have forgotten, and I'm not just talking about us in this room, but the church has forgotten that when we have that encounter, something comes along with that encounter. You want to know what that, something is that comes along with that encounter? Authority. Like we have forgotten that we have authority because we have encountered Jesus. Like we've been in his presence. In fact, our friend Paul wrote in Ephesians 2.6, he said, he raised us up. Who's us? I mean, even in the Greek, that means me and you. He raised us up with Christ, the exalted one. And we ascended with him into the glorious perfection and, what's that word? Authority of the heavenly realm, for we are now co seated as one with Christ. That means you are co seated on the throne with Jesus. That can be a little dangerous. People can take that a little too far. You with me? But at the end of the day, you want to know what that means? You and I have authority in this world that we live in. We've been given and placed with authority. In Christ, our lips have power and authority to change lives. Your hands have the authority to move mountains. Right now, Christ's authority flows through your veins because you have had an encounter with the Almighty. Christ has placed authority in your hands to use, and we've squandered it. We've let sickness have the last word. We've let death have the last word. We've let struggles in this world have the last word. He's placed authority in our hands to use. You know what that authority is? It's his name. His name. Mark 16, 17 says this, And these miracle signs will accompany those who believe. They will drive out demons in the power of my name. They will speak in tongues. They will, be, they will be supernaturally protected from snakes and from drinking anything poisonous, and they will lay hands on the sick, and they will be healed. How, how did it say that we would be able to do those things? By the power and authority of his name. Because you have none in your own power. Right? Have you ever tried to fix something that was broken in your life and it just made it worse? That should be evidence that you suck at fixing things but with the power and authority that comes by the name of Jesus. You have the authority to change environments, to change the room. Like when we walk into a room, when you walk into your classroom, Tony, you have the authority. When we walk into our jobs, we have the authority and the power, in Jesus' name, to change the atmosphere. It's time for us to start to proclaim, and it's a title for today, I Am Walking in Authority. Like wherever I place my feet is mine, my dominion. See, Jesus, if you remember from last week, has just left Nazareth where people weren't able to encounter him because their their lack of faith in, in him. And then I want you to watch what he tells his disciples right after this. In Mark 6 7, it says, Jesus gathered his twelve disciples and imparted to them what? His authority. His authority to cast out demons they then he sent them out in pairs with these instructions I'm gonna pause right here just and you'll you'll see in a second what he's empowered them to do but I want you to know that the, that those words that he spoke to his disciples spoke to the believers then is the same words he speaks to us you have the power I, I, I'm, I'm imparting my authority in you. you see Our authority is rooted in him and nothing else. If you try to do anything in your own authority, it's not going to work. Our authority is rooted in him. Jesus did not tell his disciples that all authority is vested in the books they would write, even though the words of God are as sharp as two-edged sword and cut, cut through bone and marrow. As powerful as the word of God is, he didn't say that is where your authority comes from. He didn't say that their authority would come from the mission trips that they would go on or we would go on and heal the sick and cast out demons and drive out darkness. He didn't say that our authority comes from that. Our authority is vested in a person whose name is Jesus And it's that same authority and power that's working in us today. That's why Paul would write in Ephesians 3.20, Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all that we ask or think according to the power at work within us. Within us. It's at his name that every knee will bow. It's, It's at his name that darkness trembles. It's at his name that salvation rings true for you today. That's why the word of God says... Salvation is for today. Today is the day of salvation. It's at His name that darkness trembles. His name salvation rings true for you. It's His name that holds healing. And whenever we carry His name, we carry His authority. When we carry His name, we carry His authority. I think about my last name, MacArthur, which means son of King Arthur, if you didn't know. So you're in the presence of royalty, I'm saying. I tell kids at school that all the time, and they look at me like I'm dumb. Bow to your king. I think last names mean something. It's what we carry. We carry all authority that comes along with our names. Name, Like I can walk into the bank on behalf of Brittany and go, Hey, I'm Darren McCarter, Brittany McCarter's husband. I have authority. I could walk in. I remember, um, I remember walking into, you know, when Dad worked for Nauts County Schools as a delivery person, he would be out in the truck. He would say, hey, go tell them that your dad said for you to do this in the workroom. I'd walk in there all proud. My daddy, my Coy McCarter told me, carried his authority into the mailroom. We carry the name of our Heavenly Father and all authority that goes along with it. All authority that goes along with it. When we carry His name, we carry His authority. But it's authority to do what? Authority to do what? We carry the authority to drive back darkness, heal the sick, and cast out demons. Not in our own power, but in His. And I'm going to show you in a minute but here's something freeing, some freeing truth this a warning for you. This is going to set you free because you're like, Derek, I don't know if I do can do all that. I don't even know if I believe all that, Derek. Well, that's fine. That's fine. That's fine. It's cool. You'll get there. But he will never give you a command without the power and authority to do what he's asking you to do, no matter how little or how, or how big it is. He's going to give you the power and the strength to do it and the authority to get it done. But here's what goes on, Okay. Mark 6, verse 7 says, Jesus gathered his 12 disciples and imparted to them his authority to cast out demons. Then he sent them out in pairs with these instructions. Take only your staff and the sandals on your feet. No bread, no knapsack, no extra garment, and no money. Whatever house you enter, stay there until you leave the area. And I'm going to pause here in a minute. We're going to put this to test. I've asked Greg Henry's bus lines to pull a bus out front. Greg Henry's the bus driver here you know, in Washington, You live in South Knoxville. There's a bus sitting out front. He's in the front seat. What we're going to do is we're going to leave all of our phones here, OK? We're going to leave all of our phones here on the, on the chairs. You're going to leave your wallet. You're going to leave your purse. You're gonna leave your... We're all going to get on the bus, and we're going to drive down to Market Square. We're just going to witness to people. Did your heart just sink? Did you get like, what if I get hungry while I'm down there? Because that's me. <laughs> but I'm starving. Like, can you imagine being the disciples? We're really not doing that, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> really not doing that. Here's the deal, like, can you, ima- would you, could you imagine being the disciples in that moment? You're going, hey, you're going to leave everything here. Don't take anything extra. No, no, sorry. <laughs> Michael's like, let's go. <laughs> <I'll try>. <laughs> <laughs> Can you imagine being the disciples? Let's are... have his van out there. Back up the van. But imagine being the disciples for a minute. Like, how, like, okay, yeah, you said, I'm giving you, you're giving us your authority, but like, You've seen the way people talk about you and what they want to do. Like people are looking to kill you, Jesus. I don't know how much authority you're going to, have, but they didn't understand at the moment that, the, that His authority doesn't come from this realm, but from the heavenly, supernatural realm. And I wonder if we forgot forgot that that when He, like when He says that, don't take anything with you. That includes the, our our thoughts. That includes the things that we. Maybe believing wrong in all we all we need is Jesus You got to have all these fancy lights you got to have this you got to have this version of the Of the bible you got to have no 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 no. all you need is Jesus like, like, I don't know if you know much about the world right now, but they could care less about what the bible says But they can't refute your story oh, I got a story It's a good to hide. They can't deny your story They can't. They might try to deny the word of God, but they can't deny how your life has been forever changed. He's saying, all you need is me and the authority that you have since you have encountered me. To walk in his authority means our full dependence has to be on Jesus and his power flowing through us. Our full dependence has to be on Jesus and his power flowing through us. It's like the story of um you know those uh seven Jewish exorcists? Probably not. It's found in uh Acts 19, but there's these Jewish exorcists that saw the power of the disciples. The disciples had in their dependency in Jesus and um they never had an encounter with Jesus. They weren't believers. They did not depend on him and what happened, but they seen the power of the disciples had to cast out demons and heal the sick and all of a this stuff. Is, this, is, this cracks me up. This shows what happens when you try to walk in something that you don't have. You with me? What you, when you don't depend on the source. Verse, Acts nineteen verse eleven says God kept releasing a flow of extraordinary miracles through the hands of Paul. Because of this, people took Paul's handkerchiefs and articles of clothing, even pieces of cloth that he that that had touched his skin, laying them on the bodies of the sick and diseases and demons and left demons left them and were healed. Like, wouldn't it be so awesome that the power of God flowed through us so much that even the stuff that we touch has healing power? I think of like when um. That one guy got thrown into the tomb of Elijah, onto the bones of Elijah, and like there was still power—the power of God—in the bones of Elijah. The guy sprung up. Like it's like three verses long. I was like, I want to hear more about that guy. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like he was dead, hit some bones of another dead dude that was a prophet, prophet of God, and was like sprung back to life. Like I would be like flipping out. You are like give me more than three verses. You know what I'm saying? Because of this people, people took Paul's handkerchief and articles of clothing, even pieces of cloth, and had touched his skin, laying them on the bodies of the sick and diseased, and the demons left them, and they were healed. Now there were seven internate Jewish exorcists. Sons of Sceva, the high priest. They thought they carried some authority because of who their daddy was. You with me? High priests who took it upon themselves to use the name and authority of Jesus over those who were demonized, they would say, We cast you out in the name of Jesus that Paul preaches. (laughs) You can't, that's like the furthest you can get from encounter. Like, we don't believe this, but we're speaking on behalf of the Jesus that Paul preaches about. It's stupid. (laughs) Like, but here's to be honest, like I often say, like, we do stupid stuff like that all the time, don't we? (laughs) One day. When they, when they, when they said those words, the demon in in the man replied, "I know about Jesus, and I recognize Paul." I'd love to be that, be the person that wakes up in the morning, and the demons are like, "Oh crap, he's awake!" Like I know Jesus and I, and, and I, I I recognize the name Derek. Like I want to be that person. And when I enter the room, the demons are like, "I don't know, we're, we're bye, we're not gonna deal with you." You know what I'm saying? Peace. I know about Jesus and I recognize Paul, but who do you think you are? Then the demonized man jumped on them and threw them to the ground, beating them mercilessly. He overpowered the seven exorcists until they all ran out of the house naked and badly bruised. See, if you don't lean your dependence on the authority of Christ in you, you will leave life beat up in the darkness around you. You will live life beat up. But watch But if you lean on him and find dependence on the authority that you have in the name of Jesus, Psalms 91 says that when you sit enthroned, Ephesians, remember we just read that in Ephesians, that you are he has raised you up and seated you with you with him in the heavenly realm. When you sit enthroned under the shadow of Shaddai, you are hidden in the strength of God most high. He is the hope that holds me and the stronghold to shelter me, the only God for me and my great confidence. He will rescue you from every hidden trap of the enemy, and he will protect you from false accusations and any deadly curse. His massive arms are wrapped around you, protecting you. You can run under the covering of, of majesty and hide. His arms are faithfulness and are a shield keeping you from harm. If you don't lean on, lean on Jesus and the authority you have and the power that you have in his name, you're only living this world beat up. But if you lean everything, push all your chips in on Jesus, you will become your shelter. It's not saying that storms won't come. When you're doing something for God, and you start walking in authority, guess what's happened? You're going to get a bunch of storms. If you're not doing anything, if you're not doing anything, like if you're like, well, my life's good right now, then you're probably not doing anything for the Lord. And that's why our enemy isn't trying to attack you. Excuse me? So if, you want, if, you want some, if you want some life experience, start stepping out in the authority and watch what happens. He'll, and no matter what happens, he'll be a shelter for you you'll be a shelter but mark 6 goes on to say whatever community whatever community does not welcome you or receive your message remember jesus just said hey i've given you all authority you're going to go you're going to cast out demons you're going to heal the sick you're going to preach unto repentance and now he's saying whatever community does not welcome you because he they just came out of nazareth his hometown that didn't welcome him Whatever community does not welcome you or receive your message, leave it behind. And as you go, shake the dust off your feet as a testimony against them. And there's some um, ancient transcripts that say the day is worse for them than the day that it was for Sodom and Gomorrah. Yeah, that's in some train, uh, manuscripts. So if that's the real thing, I'm like, ooh, I feel bad for them. You know, what I'm saying? like, ooh. But he's saying, don't worry about those people who don't listen. But listen to you when you go. Don't. Nope. Don't worry about those people who say, I can never believe that. I mean, love them, give them the word, but don't get yourself upset about that. Just keep moving forward. So, verse 12. So they went out and preached publicly that everyone should repent. And all repent means is to turn from what we're doing now and turn in the direction of Jesus. All right? They cast out many demons and and anointed many sick people with oil and healed them. While they're out doing their mission work. And we're going to skip a couple of verses of well, the story, but you you have this story about John the Baptist being beheaded, and because of um, a girl was d- dancing for the king, and the king was, was like, "I'll give you whatever you want," and the, she was like, "Give me the head of John the Baptist," because John the Baptist was told the king and all of his family, "Hey, you need to repent because this marriage that you're in is not right." you are living in sin, and it made them all mad. You know what I'm saying? So he's like, the girl's like, just give me John the Baptist's head on a platter, and he does. And then we pick up the story in verse 30 of Mark 6, and it says, the apostle returned from their mission and gathered around Jesus and told him everything everything they had done and taught. So imagine, they're sitting around like... Oh, there's this one demon possessed man that I did this, and there was this one heal like this one person whose hand was all withered. And I held that. I can just imagine them telling the story, right? All excited, telling Jesus, like, "Look at the authority that we that we that we that we walked in." Like this is unbelievable, right? People were coming to to repentance. Watch what happens. They easily forget. It was such a swirl of activity around Jesus with so many people coming and going that they were unable to even eat a meal. They weren't able to fully share what their experience. Right, They're, all these people were coming around, so Jesus said to his disciples, "Come, let's take a break and find a secluded place where you can rest a while, because doing living on mission is hard. And sometimes you need a rest. Let's take a break and find a secluded place where you can rest a while." They slipped away and left by sailboat for a deserted spot. But many of the people saw them leaving and realized where they were headed, so they took off running along the shore. The people from the surrounding towns joined them in the chase, and a large crowd got there ahead of them. By the time uh, time Jesus came ashore, a massive crowd was waiting. At the sight of them, his heart was filled with compassion, because they seemed like wandering sheep who had no shepherd. So he taught them many things. Late that afternoon, his disciples said, it's getting really late and we're, we're here in a remote place with nothing to eat. You should send the crowds away so they can go into the surrounding villages and buy food for themselves. But he answered, and I want you to listen to this, you give them something to eat. No, 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 listen. I don't know if we remember, but when he sent them away, he said, What? You're full dependence on my on your authority with me. Don't take anything extra with you. Don't do any of this. And now here's this crowd of people, and he's looking at them. They've just gotten back. They hadn't had time to go shopping, get their shopping list done. He's saying you give them something to eat. Whoa, whoa, Jesus. We're hungry ourselves. Like you told us not to take anything with us. Let me paint this picture. Just come off a mission journey that Jesus sent them on. Upon their return, they told Jesus everything they accomplished. As the crowd gathered around them, and they noticed it was late. Now they're just—they've just been able to perform miracles and healings, and they've seen people repent. They tell Jesus to send these people home to eat, but he's like, "Take your nothing and give them something." I just want to point out this. The next two stories, okay. the next two stories, Jesus will be, is proving a point to them and to us. It's probably you've never heard these two stories in this way before, and it's okay. But he starts this first story off by saying, you just seen the power and authority you have in my name. Now you give them something. You have the power to make a difference here right now. Can I show you what I mean? Mark 6, 37. But he answered them, you give them something to eat. Are you sure? The disciples asked. They replied, you really want us to go buy them something? Oh my! what are they thinking with? Their natural mind. Are you sure? They replied, you really want us to to go buy, the, buy them supper, it would cost a small fortune to feed all these thousands of hungry people. They're thinking with their natural mind while in the presence of the supernatural. And Jesus is proving a point that, that with everything they have experienced, everything that they have done, the miracles they've been able to perform through the authority of his name, how, how can you just think this is just done in the natural? like we are a supernatural people who worship a supernatural god. Now put that in the notes for you to write down. We are a supernatural people who worship a supernatural god. We've got to stop thinking just in a natural. You with me? I'm trying to get like don't think that way anymore. Mark 6:38 goes on and says this is Jesus talked, how many, how many loaves of bread do you have? He asks, go and see. After they had looked around, they came back and said, Five plus a couple of fish. We might be good, but I don't know about all these other people. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So I'd be like, can we eat the fish? 39 says, then he instructed them to organize the crowd and have, have them sit down in groups on the grass. So they had. They had them sit down in groups of hundreds and fifties. And Jesus took the loaves, uh, the five loaves and two fish, gazed into heaven, gave thanks or prayed for it or blessed it, thanks to God. And he broke the bread and the two fish and distributed them to to his disciples to serve the people. Now watch. I want you to pay attention to the order here. He broke the fish. And distributed those pieces to the disciples to serve the people so who's doing the serving of the people the disciples and the food was multiplied in front of whose eyes the disciples eyes you know where I'm heading with this (laughs) maybe not yet me ask a question that may that will make more sense in, in a minute. But whose hands did it multiply in? The disciples. Jesus broke it, blessed it, and gave it to them, and they handed it out. As they handed out the pieces, it says it multiplied in front of their own eyes. It wasn't Jesus, it was this. He, he just blessed it and broke it and gave it to the disciples. And it says they handed it and it multiplied before their eyes. And here's the truth this morning. Anything blessed by Jesus in our hands has, has to multiply. It has to be multiplied. It has to be multiplied. And friends, we are a blessed people. We are a blessed People. Verse forty-two says everyone had plenty to eat and was fully satisfied. Then the the twelve disciples picked up, picked up the remaining, what was remaining, and each of them ended up with a basket full of leftovers. Altogether, five thousand families were fed that day. We, anything blessed by Jesus in our Hands has to multiply. We are a blessed people. Our friend Peter says in 1 Peter 2 9, he says, But you are God's chosen treasure. Priests, you are kings, a spiritual nation set apart as God's devoted ones. He called you out of darkness to experience his marvelous light, and now he claims you as his very own. He did this so that you would. You would broadcast his glorious wonders throughout the world. For at one time you were not God's people, but now you are. At one time you knew nothing of God's mercy because you, you hadn't received it yet, but now you are drenched with it. You have encountered him, and now you walk with authority to proclaim this message. After And, and that's, that's the great news this morning. It's you are a blessed people. And as a blessed people. Things have to multiply. Miracles have to happen. You walk in authority in Him. But it goes on to say After everyone had their meal, Jesus instructed his disciples to get back into the boat and go on ahead of them and sail to the other side of Bethsaida. Now, again, we covered this a lot in Mark. Anytime Jesus asks me to get on a boat to go across the other side of the lake, I'm going to be like, ah, eh, now we're good. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Every time he tells tell us to get on a boat, Jesus, something happens, and a storm rises, and we about all die. But so he disappeared, he dispersed the crowd, said goodbye to his disciples, and slipped away to pray in the mountain. As night fell, fell the boat was in the middle of the lake, and Jesus was alone on land. The wind was against the disciples. And he, meaning Jesus, could see that they were straining at the oars, trying to make headway. When it was almost morning, Jesus came to them, walking on the surface of the water, and he started to pass them. When they all saw him walking on the waves, they thought he was a ghost. I'm going to pause here for a second. Because every story that we have of the disciples in a storm, seeing Jesus walk on water, what's their first conclusion? It's a ghost. I mean, how many times does Jesus have to walk on water for you to realize, for finally your first conclusion to be, oh, that's Jesus coming to us? No, like their automatic thing was, oh, it's a ghost. But of course, we would probably do the same thing if we were in the boat with them, right? When they all saw him walking on the waves, they thought he was a ghost and screamed out in terror. But he said to them at once, don't yield to fear have courage, courage. it's really me, I am I am first Jesus wants you to know that he sees the storm you're in and he's about to pass by but we can't yield our faith in the face of fear when you start walking in authority and things seem to go chaotic in your life your natural self will want to leap, lean toward fear instead of faith. We can't yield to faith. yield Yield to fear. We have to yield to faith. But here's the thing. With the blessing of authority you have on your life, the enemy will try to distract and destroy your faith. But in the middle of the storm, we have to keep our eyes on Jesus the Christ. That's so why Hebrews 12.1 says, As for us, we have all these great witnesses who encircle us like clouds, so we must let go of every wound that has pierced us and a sin we so easily fall in into. Then we will be able to run life's marathon race with passion and determination for the path has been already marked out before us. We, we, we look away from the natural realm and we fasten our gaze onto Jesus who birthed faith within us and who leads us forward into faith's perfection. His example is this, because his heart was focused on the joy of knowing that you would be his, he endured the agony of the cross and conquered it. And we will be able to run life's marathon race with passion and determination for the path has been already marked out uh, Marked out humiliation, and now sits and now sits sits exalt, exalted at the right hand of the throne of God. So consider carefully how Jesus faced such intense opposition from sinners who opposed their own souls, so that you won't become worn down and cave in under life's pressure. We got to keep our eyes on the prize. We can't yield to fear. We got to yield to faith, keeping our gaze. Not in the natural, but in the supernatural on Jesus. The story goes on. It says, Then he came closer and climbed into the boat with them, and immediately the stormy wind became still. They were completely and utterly overwhelmed with astonishment because they failed to learn the lesson of the miracle of loaves, and their hearts were unwilling to learn learn lesson so the storm on the water and the loaves and the fish were to teach them a lesson and they didn't understand two truths this is what they didn't understand, number one that Christ has the power to to deliver us no matter our limitations no matter what, what you think limits you in mission Christ is saying I've already got that covered That's why we put our weakness on him because our weakness is his strength He has the power to deliver us no matter our limitations Like I often tell people sometimes well, I don't feel qualified. Well, he doesn't call the qualified half the time You with me He he qualifies the called But also this that they didn't realize. The same authority Christ has to fight back darkness we have. The bread multiplied in their hands and they missed it. Jesus just broke it apart and gave it to them. So the same miracle that Jesus performed in his hands, they took to the 5,000 men plus their families and did the same thing. Like they did, like they, the miracle was that the bread multiplied in their hands. It shows that the supernatural flows through us as well. Even to calm the storm, hence why it said as if Jesus was going to pass by. It was a lesson. He was walking by them, by them still. So they could, they could see that they, they, They already had the authority to calm the storm that they were in. He wasn't worried about the storm they were in. He was just going to walk on by until they screamed out in terror thinking he was a ghost. The same supernatural flows through us even to calm the storm. This is why he he says that Jesus was just going to pass by. When will they learn reality is. See, we can look back on them and go, "When they were dumb. But the question we have to ask too is when will we learn? When will we learn? The power and authority flows through those who are under His name. So I don't know how you walked in here. But here's the truth that I can tell you you have more power and authority than you think you have over the situations in your life and you're giving that power to the very darkness that you're trying to get rid of in your life quit giving that thing giving that dark thing in your life power that is intended for you so you can walk right up to that addiction and say I'm done with you in the name of Jesus, you can walk up to that, that sin in your life and you can say, you know what, I'm done with you. In the authority of Jesus, I'm done with the sin in my life. With the authority of, Je- you know, the authority of Jesus, I, I'm, I'm calling this marriage to restoration today. In the name of Jesus, I'm, I'm, pr- I'm praying for healing for this situation. I'm praying, like, whatever you need, it's time for you to walk in the authority that is yours and given to you by Jesus. In the name of Jesus, every knee will bow. That includes the knee of darkness, the knee of addiction, and the, the and whatever you need, It has to bow in the presence of Jesus. Start walking in authority that's yours. Don't be like the disciples here, freaking out in the middle of a storm. I know, Storm, you have to calm down for me. Jesus, we want to thank you so much for giving us and bestowing upon us your authority to push back darkness. I pray for every heart in this room that they find courage in your authority and they start walking in the power that is your name. What needs to be healed in this room, I say in Jesus' name, it is healed. Whatever needs to be restored in this room, I say in Jesus' name, it's restored. Whatever addiction needs to be broken, it is being broken in Jesus' name today. Wherever salvation is needed, God, I pray that salvation in your name happens today. God, I know there's a family, I know of a family loosely connected here, God, that needs healing and peace in their hearts. As they will lay their son to rest this next week, so God, I pray in Your name that healing and peace happens. God, I pray for in Your name that revival happens in our lifetime in this city. I pray that the darkness that has Knoxville. I like in your name, in Jesus' name, that it be lifted and light shined. Pray for addictions in this room to be broken in your name. praying for freedom. Somebody needs to be set free. I'm praying for freedom. I pray all this in your name. Amen. Love you all. I mean it.